and that's when you always appear on the scene. Not always in this way, but I always appear in one form or another. Sometimes I appear in the form of a solution or a good idea. At other times, at a crucial moment, I make it easier for things to happen. There are other things I do too, but most of the time people don't realize I've done them. The old man related that the week before he had been forced to appear before a miner and had taken the form of a stone. The miner had abandoned everything to go mining for emeralds. For five years he had been working a certain river and had examined the um, hundreds of thousands of stones looking for an emerald. The miner was about to give it all up right at the point when if he were to examine with just one more stone, just one more, he would finish he would find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into a stone that rolled up to the miner's foot. The miner, with all the anger and frustration of his five fruitless years, picked up the stone and threw it aside. But he had thrown it with such a force that it broke the stone it fell upon. And there, embedded in the broken stone, was the most beautiful emerald in the world. People learn early in their lives what is their reason for being, said the old man with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give up on, on it so early too, but that's the way it is. The boy reminded the old man that he had something about hidden treasure. Treasure is un uncovered by the force of flowing water and it is buried by same currents, said the old man. If you want to learn about your own treasure, you will have to give me one-tenth of your flock. What about one-tenth of my treasure? The old man looked disappointed. If you started out by promising what you don't even have yet, you will lose your desire to work towards getting it. The boy told him that he had already promised to give one-tenth of his treasure to the gypsy. Gypsies are expert at getting people to do that the old man. In any case, it's good that you have learned that everything in life has its price. This is what the warriors of the light try to teach. The old man returned the book to the boy. Tomorrow at the same time, bring me tenth of your flock, and I will tell you how to find the hidden treasure. Good afternoon. And he vanished around the corner of the plaza. The boy began again to read his book, but he was no longer able to concentrate. He was tense and upset because he knew that the old man was right. He went over to the bakery and bought a loaf of bread, thinking about whether or not he should tell the baker what he, what the old man had said about him. Sometimes it's better to leave things as they are, he thought to himself and decided to say nothing. 
If he were to say anything, the baker would spend three days thinking about giving it all up, even though he had gotten used to the way things were. The boy could certainly resist causing that kind of anxiety for the baker. So he began to wander through the city and found himself at the gates. There was a small building there with a window at which people bought tickets to Africa, and he knew that Egypt was in Africa. Can I help you? asked the man behind the window. Maybe tomorrow, said the boy moving away. If he sold just one of his sheep, he would have enough to get to the sore of this stretch. The idea frightened him. Another dreamer said the ticket seller to his assistant watching the boy walk away. He doesn't have enough money to travel. While standing at the ticket window, the boy had remembered his flock and dis decided he should go back to being a shepherd. In two years, he had learned everything about shepherding. He knew how to steer ship, how to care for pregnant ewes, and how to protect the ship from wolves. He knew all the fields and pastures of Andalusia and he knew what was the fair price for every one of his animals. He decided to return to his friend's stable by the longest route possible. As he walked past the city's castle, he interrupted his return and climbed the stone ramp that led to the top of the wall. From there he could see Africa in the distance. Someone had once told him that it was from there that the Moors had come to occupy all of the Spain. He could see almost the entire city from where he sat, including the plaza where he had talked with the old man. Curse the moment I met that old man, he thought. He had come to the town only to find a woman who could interpret his dream. Neither the woman nor the old man was at all impressed by the fact that he was suffered. They were solitary individuals who no longer believed in things and didn't understand that suffered become attached to their ship. He knew everything about each member of his flock. He knew which ones were lame, which one was to give birth to two months from now, and which were the laziest. He knew how to sear them and how to slaughter them. If he ever decided to leave them, they would suffer. The wind began to pick up. He knew that wind, people called it the Levanter, because on it the Moors had come from the Levant at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. The Levanter increased in in intensity. Here I am between my flock and my t treasure, the boy thought. He had to choose between something he had become acc accustomed to and something he wanted to have. There was also Marcin's daughter but wasn't as important as his flock because she didn't depend on him. Maybe she didn't even remember him. He was sure that it made no difference to her on which day he appeared. For her, every day was the same, and when each day is the same as the next, 
It's because people fail to recognize the good things that happen in their lives every day that the sun rises. I left my father, my mother, and the town, and the town castle behind. They have gotten used to my being away, and so have I. The ship will get used to my not being there, too, the boy thought. From where he sat, he could observe the plaza. People continued to come and go from the baker's shop. A young couple sat on the bench where he had talked with the old man and they kissed. That baker, he said to himself without completing the thought. The levanter was still getting stronger and he felt its force on his face. That wind had brought the moors, yes but it had also bought the smell of the desert and of veiled woman. It had brought with it the sweet and dreams of men who had once left to search for the unknown and for gold and adventure and for the pyramids. The boy felt jealous of the freedom of the wind and saw that he could have the same freedom. There was nothing to hold him back except himself. The ship, the merchant's daughter, and the fields of Andalusia were only steps along the way to his personal legend. The next day, the boy met the old man at the noon. He brought six sheep with him. I'm surprised, the boy said. My friend bought all the other sheep immediately. He said that he had always dreamed of being a shepherd and that it was a good woman. Omen. That's the way it always is, said the old man. It's called the principle of favorability. When you play cards the first time, you are almost sure to win. Beginner's luck. Why is that? The boy asked. Because there is a force that wants you to realize your personal legend. It whets your appetite with a test of success. Then the old man began to inspect the ship, and he saw that one was lame. The boy explained that it wasn't important since that ship was the most intelligent of the flock and produced the most wool. What is the treasure? he asked. It's in Egypt, near the pyramids. The boy was startled. The old woman had said the same thing, but she didn't charge him anything. In order to find the treasure, you will have to follow the omens. God had prepared a path for everyone to follow. You just have to read the omens that he left for you. Before the boy could reply, a butterfly appeared and fluttered behind between him and the old man. He remembered something his grandfather had once told him, that butterflies were a good omen like crickets and like grasshoppers, like lizards and four-leaf clovers. That's right, said the old man, able to read the boy's thought. Just as your grandfather taught you, these are good omens. The old man opened his cape and the boy was struck by what he saw. The old man wore a breastplate of heavy gold covered with precious stones. The boy recalled the brilliance he had noticed on the previous day. He really was a king. He must be disguised to avoid encounters with thieves. 
take this, said the old man, holding out a white stone and a black stone that had been embattled at the center of the breastplate. They are called Urim and Thummim. The black signifies yes, the white signifies no. When you are unable to read the omens, they will help you to do so. Always ask an objective question. But if you can try, try to make your own decisions. The treasure is at the pyramids that you already knew, but I had to insist on the payment of six sip because I helped you to make your decision. The boy put the stones in his pouch. From then on, he, he would make his own decisions. Don't forget that everything you deal with is only one thing and nothing else. And don't forget the language of omens. And above all, don't forget to follow your personal descent through to its conclusion. But before I go, I want to tell you a little story. A certain shopkeeper sent his son to learn about the secret of happiness from the wisest man in the world. The lad wandered through the desert of 40 days and finally came upon a beautiful castle high atop a mountain. It was there that the wise man lived. Rather than finding a saintly man, though our hero, on entering the main room of the castle, saw a hive of activity, tradesmen came and went. People were conversing in the, in the corners. A small orchestra was playing soft music, and there was a table covered with platters of most delicious food in, the, in that part of the world. The wise man conversed with everyone, and the boy had to wait for two hours before it was his turn to be given the man's attention. The wise man listened attentively to the boy's explanation of why he had come, but told him that he didn't have time just then to explain the secret of happiness. He suggested that the boy look around the palace and return in two hours. Meanwhile, I want to ask you to do something, said the wise man, handing the boy a teaspoon that held two drops of oil. As you wander around, carry this spoon with you without allowing the oil to spin, spill. The boy began climbing and descending the many stairways of the palace, keeping his eye fixed on the spoon. After two hours, he returned to the room where the wise man was. Well, asked the wise man, did you see the Persian tapestries that are hanging in my dining hall? Did you see the garden that it took the master gardener ten years to create? Did you notice the beautiful parchment in my library? The boy was embarrassed and confessed that he had observed nothing. He only concerned, his only concern had been not to spill the oil that the wise man has entrusted to him. Then go back and observe the marvels of my world, said the wise man. You cannot trust a man if you don't know his house. Relieved, the boy picked up the spoon and returned to his exploration of the palace. This time, observing all of the work of art on the ceiling and the walls, he saw the gardens, the mountains, all around him, beauty of the flowers and test with which everything had, had been selected. Upon returning to the wise man, 
he related in detail everything he had seen. But where are the drops of oil I entrusted to you? said the wise man. Looking down at the spoon he held, the boy saw that the oil was gone. Well, there is only one piece of advice I can give you, said the wisest of the wise men. The secret of happiness is not to see all the marvels of the world and never to forget the drop of oil on the spoon. The sufferer said nothing. He had understood the story the old king had told him. The sufferer may like to trouble, but he should never forget about his sip. The old man looked at the boy and with his hand held together and made several strange gestures over the boy's head. Then, taking his sip, he walked away. At the highest point in Tarifa, there is an old fort built by Moors. From atop its walls, one can catch a glimpse of Africa. The king of Salem sat on the wall of the fort that afternoon and felt the levanter blowing in his face. The ship visited nearby uneasy with their new owner and excited by so much change. All they wanted was food and water. King of Salem watched a small ship that was blowing its way out of the port. He would never again see the boy just as he had never seen Abraham again after having charged him his one-tenth fee. That was his work. The gods should not have desires because they don't have personal legends. But the king of Salem hoped desperately that the boy would be successful. It's too bad that he's quickly going to forget my name, he thought. I should have repeated it for him. Then when he spoke about me, he would say that I am Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He looked to the sky, feeling a bit abashed, and said, I know, it's the vanity of vanities, as you said, my lord. But an old king sometimes has to take some pride in himself. How strange Africa is, thought the boy. He was sitting in a bar very very much like the other bars. He had seen along the narrow streets of Tangier. Some men were smoking from a gigantic pipe that they passed from one to the other. In just a few hours, he had seen men walking hand in hand, women with their faces covered, and priests that climbed to the top of towers and chanted as everyone about him went to their knees and placed their foreheads on the ground. A practice of infidels, he said to himself, as a child in church, he had always looked at the image of Saint Santiago Matamoros on his white horse, his sword unseated, and figures such as these kneeling at his feet. The boy felt ill and terribly alone. The infidels had an evil look about them. Besides this, in the rest of his travels, he had forgotten a detail, just one detail, which could keep him from his treasure for a long time. Only Arabic was spoken in the country. 
The owner of the bar approached him, and the boy pointed to a drink that had been served at the next table. It turned out to be a bitter tea. The boy preferred wine, but he didn't need to worry about that right now. What he had to be concerned about was his treasure and how he was going to be get how he was going to go about getting it. The sale of his ship had left him with enough money in his pouch, and the boy knew that in money there was magic. Whoever has money is never really alone. Before long, maybe in just a few days, he would be at the pyramids. An old man with a breastplate of gold wouldn't have lied just to acquire success. The old man had spoken about signs and omens, and as the boy was crossing the street, he had thought about omens. Yes, the old man had known what he was talking about during the time the boy had spent in the fields of Andalusia. He had become used to learning which path he should take by observing the ground and the sky. He had discovered that presence, that presence of a certain bird meant that a snake was nearby and that a certain shrub was sign that there was water in the area. The ship had taught him that. If God leads the ship so well, he will also lead a man, he thought, and that made him feel better. The tea seemed less bitter. Who are you? He heard a voice ask him in Spanish. The boy was relieved. He was thinking about omens, and someone had appeared. How come you speak Spanish? he asked. The new arrival was a young man in western dress but the color of his skin suggested he was from this city. He was about the same age and height as the boy. Almost everyone here speaks Spanish. We are only two hours from Spain. Sit down and let me treat you to something, said the boy, and ask for a glass of wine for me. I hate this tea. There is no wine in this country, the young man said. The religion here forbids it. The boy told him then the, that he needed to get to the pyramids. He almost began to tell about his treasure but decided not to do so. If he did, it was possible that the Arab would want a part of it as a payment for taking him there. He remembered what the old man had said about offering something you didn't even have yet. I would like you to take me there if you can. I can pay you to serve as my, as my guide. Do you have any idea how to get there? The newcomer asked. The boy noticed that the owner of the bar stood nearby listening attentively to their conversation. He felt uneasy at the man's presence, but he had found a guide and didn't want to miss out on an opportunity. You have to cross the entire Sahara Desert, said the young man, and to do that you need money. I need to know whether you have enough. The boy thought it's it the boy thought it is a strange question. 
but he trusted in the old man who had said that when you really want something the universe always conspires in your favor he took his money from his pouch and sold it to the young man the owner of the bar came over and looked as well the two men exchanged some word in arabic and the bar owner seemed irritated let's get out of here said the new arrival he wants us to leave the boy was relieved he got up to pay the bill but the owner grabbed him and began to speak to him in angry stream of words the boy was strong and wanted to retaliate but he was in a foreign country his new friend pushed the owner aside and pulled the boy outside with him he wanted your money he said tangier is not like the rest of africa this is a port and every port has its thieves the boy trusted his new friend he had helped him out in a dangerous situation he took out his money and counted it we could get to the pyramids by tomorrow said the other taking the money but i have to buy two camels they walked together through the narrow street of tangier everywhere there were stalls with items for sale they reached the corner of a large plaza where the market was held there were thousands of people there arguing selling and buying vegetables for sale amongst draggers daggers and carpets displayed alongside tobacco but the boy never took his eye off his new friend after all he had all his money he thought about asking him to give it back but decided that would be unfriendly he knew nothing about the customs of the strange land he was in i'll just watch him he said to himself he knew he was stronger than his friend suddenly there in the midst of all that confusion he saw the most beautiful sword he had ever seen the scabbard was embossed in silver and the handle was black and encrusted with precious stones the boy promised himself that when he returned from egypt he would buy that sword ask the owner of that stall how much the sword cost he said to his friend then he realized that he had been distracted for a few moments looking at the sword his heart squeezed as if his chest had suddenly compressed it he was afraid to look around because he knew what he would find he continued to look at the beautiful sword for a bit longer until he summoned the courage to turn around all around him was the market with people coming and going shouting and buying and the aroma of strange foods but nowhere could he find his new companion the boy wanted to believe that his friend had simply become separated from him by accident he decided to stay there stay right there and and wait for his return as he waited a priest climbed to the top of a nearby tower and began his chant everyone in the market fell to their knees touched by touched their foreheads to the ground and took up the chant then like a colony of worker ants they dismantled their stalls and left okay so we are in page 41 and we will be stopping
right here today. We'll talk to you later in another episode. Thank you.